I am speaking to you at a moment of grave crisis. I'm Jeff Turner, and this is Recall. It's a series about history. Not the ancient past, but history that's still hot to the touch. In this first season, I explore a revolutionary political movement that brought a modern democracy to the brink. You can find Recall, How to Start a Revolution, on the CBC Listen app or wherever you get your podcasts. This is a CBC Podcast. Hi, I'm Dr. Brian Goldman. Welcome to The Dose. This week, most kids in Canada are back in the classroom. Your kid has a runny nose. How likely is it that it's COVID? Hi, Janine. How are you doing today? I'm good. How are you doing? Not too bad. How are your kids? They're okay. They're, uh, they're, they're doing as well as I think any, any kids can be during all of this. How old are they? Um, so I've got a seven-year-old and a four-year-old. So tell me, what's the funniest thing that your four-year-old has said about uh, living with COVID? There's so many to choose from. (laughs) Last week, just last week, I mean, I've obviously been working a lot. um, And so she we were chatting at bedtime and she said, Mommy, am am I going to be a grown up when COVID's gone? And and I said, no. Oh, my God. I I know. (laughs) I hope not. I hope you'll still be be a kid. And then she followed it up with, well, Mommy, when when COVID's done, does that mean you'll get to be home on the on the weekend again? And so. Oh, (laughs) That part wasn't so funny. It was no. a little heartbreaking, but, but uh, she's a sweetheart. And uh, I think it's, you know, it just speaks to like her world's a little bit upside down because she doesn't, she's four. So she kind of, you know, is just starting to remember things. So it's, uh, I think she's, whether she'll, when she, when things go back to, you know, quote unquote normal, if she's going to remember what it was like kind of pre-COVID will be, uh, it'll be a shift for her. Uh, Janine, why don't you give us a hi, my name is, give us your titles. Sure. So my name is uh, Janine McCree. I'm an infectious disease physician at Michael Guerin Hospital. And uh, since COVID, I've been you know, leaving, living and breathing everything COVID and have uh, here in East Toronto have started a school support program to help get kids uh, tested faster and to really support our schools here in the East to hopefully keep schools open and safe for throughout the, the rest of this year. And and just for the benefit of those who are hearing that you're getting occasional notifications, you're actually working today, aren't you? <laughs> Sorry. Yes, I'm, uh, I'm always, always working. And every time, that's not the, the right ding, but there's another ding. If you hear it, that's the ding that comes every time I get a, a new case of, of COVID to, to call. So hopefully that one doesn't go off. I wanted to say that because we're not going to pretend that, that you've shut off your – we would not want you to shut off your computer uh, because – Lord knows, you know, what notifications you'd be missing. Anyway, here we go. A sniffle, a cough. That's all it takes these days to send a shudder of worry through parents. A runny nose is no longer just a runny nose. It could be a sign your kid has COVID. Most children across Canada are back in school, which means more kids are testing positive, although officials say the rates of COVID-19 are still low in schools. Meanwhile, the more transmissible variants of concern are showing up in schools in a number of provinces, leading to school closures. So today on The Dose, we're answering the question, most kids in Canada are back in the classroom. Your kid has a runny nose. How likely is it that it's COVID? And Dr. Janine McCready is here to break it down for us. Dr. McCready, welcome back to The Dose. Thank you so much for having me. So how can you know if your kid has COVID? So you got to get a test. Um, really, you know, I'm an infectious disease doctor. I have called 
thousands of people now with COVID-19, children, adults, teenagers. I've treated people in the hospital and, and talked to well people. And it is very challenging to be able to tell the difference with just based on symptoms. There are many symptoms of COVID um, and they can be very wide ranging. So what, from your point of view, are the main symptoms parents should look for? So I think the main things uh, that we see in kids are, as you mentioned, it can be just a runny nose, and sometimes it's as simple as that, uh, sore throat, sometimes a mild cough, a fever, and it doesn't have to be a fever that sticks around. When we're talking to parents, often we hear they, you know, they had a fever for a few hours or a day, and then they were better and back to normal. Um, so, you know, a lot of those respiratory type symptoms that you may just think is a common cold or uh, the or influenza. Um, and then sometimes kids can have diarrhea or vomiting, although we see that a little less frequently with COVID. And then the other times uh, that we've picked up cases and seen people with COVID is, is just having a, a headache, you know, and, and the kids feeling really tired. Um, so sometimes it takes, you know, knowing your, your child. And I think the important thing to remember too is, you know, what's the local incidence like of COVID-19 in your community? So if you're in an area right now where there are many cases, then you do need to have a higher suspicion. Whereas hopefully as, you know, the next few months wear on and the warm weather hits and the numbers go down, then it makes it a little less likely. When you say symptoms like, when you mention symptoms like vomiting or diarrhea, are you talking about one episode or, or something that's a little bit more persistent? Yeah, good question. So yeah, a bit more persistent. So, you know, if your child just eats something and then vomits, I wouldn't rush over to get them a test or they have a little bit of an upset stomach and have one episode of diarrhea. Again, I I would be, you know, less concerned about that. Got it. Okay. Uh, The flu has all but disappeared this year, but how do you know your kid doesn't have another virus like a cold? Yeah, so really what we've seen is exactly as as you've said. So because of all of the control measures against COVID-19, the flu and also a lot of other respiratory viruses have also really decreased and and uh, you know it's they're very very unusual this year. So that makes it even more important that if your kid has any symptoms to go get them tested. So how surprised are parents when you tell them their kid has COVID and not a cold? Yeah, so some people are, are, to be honest, very shocked. So, I mean, you, you kind of have a couple categories of people we call. So some people, they the, the children had a clear contact or so someone in their household already has COVID. And so when you call them, um, sometimes the, the children have no symptoms at all and they're a bit surprised that they have tested positive. But, um, you know, they're kind of expecting it because they're positive. Then you get the category of people who have had a exposure at school and you, and you call them and tell them and they're a bit surprised, but as well, at least they, they knew. And then there's you know a, a number of people who you call and the child had you know minor symptoms. They had a bit of a runny nose. They had a headache that lasted for a few days. They were more tired. And some of those people are shocked because they've been being you know they've been careful. They've been mm. following you know the, the the rules. They haven't really seen all that many people. But because I mean right now in Toronto and at what it's been over the past two or three months, numbers have been quite high. So even people that are being careful have been exposed. And then we, you know, if, if people are vigilant then, and get tested, we're finding those cases. So certainly sometimes people are just, you know, they're floored and they're like, are you sure? And then, you know, we look at how positive the test is and it's really positive. And then we test the rest of the family and often find that the rest of the family is, um, you know, positive or they develop symptoms in a few days as well. 
Wow, interesting. And and you know, part of this kind of mystery is it is it COVID uh, or or is it some other virus uh, comes from the fact that kids are largely spared the most severe symptoms of COVID. Most of them get mild cases, thankfully, but some do get quite sick. So, what are the risk factors in children for getting a more severe case of COVID? One of the things that people have, I mean, we're learning more about, and there's been some increased reports in the last few few weeks, is the multi-system inflammatory sy- syndrome, or the MISC. So, basically, a, a very rare but serious condition that seems to be associated with COVID, where um, kids get kind of a variety of inflamed organs, basically, um, about within about four weeks of having COVID. And the, the children that seem to get that, you know, I don't think it's clear cut. Uh, fortunately, and we have not uh, seen any local cases out of the, the children that we've diagnosed here. So it is you know, very rare. Um, and I think the thing to remember about that, too, is is even if children suffer from that, the they still, you know, with treatment, do do well. We've been talking about school age kids, but I want to bring in the subject of preschoolers and daycare age kids who tend to get sick a lot more at the best of times. Daycares have mostly remained open during the pandemic. How should parents of younger children uh, and infants respond if their kid has symptoms like a runny nose? With daycares and preschools, they're likely to pass around germs more easily. But that also means that if a case of COVID-19 got in there, they're more likely to pass that around as well, because the same way that other common viruses are transmitted is the same way that COVID can be transmitted. Um, And certainly, you know, probably because the the child care centres have been have stayed open, we have seen cases, most places, just like schools, have done very well. But there is transmission there. And, And the same thing, I've called parents with young kids and they've been very surprised because they hadn't been told by anybody, but there had been kind of a little bit of a runny nose going around and they were just the first ones to get tested. So, um, you know, go get tested. And what I would suggest is try to find, uh, you know, a center near you that offers kind of non-invasive testing. So there are different ways to test for COVID-19. So there's the traditional nasopharyngeal swab that goes, you know, all the way in and back and can be a bit uncomfortable. Some places can use saliva, some use saline gargoyle, and then places like ours, we do a swab that goes on the tongue, inside of the cheek, and just the front of the nose. One of my colleagues, Dr. Kendall, who's brilliant, he he has little kids and I have little kids and we both were sick of doing nasal pharyngeal swabs on our little ones. So he came up with this swab and it's really made it so much easier for kids and parents to, you know, reduces that barrier to getting the swab. I want to I move on to a subject that is of great concern to parents who have kids who get what we often refer to our stress-related symptoms, uh, tummy aches, fatigue, and we want to know, are they, is that COVID or not? So are there some signs to watch out for that your kids' symptoms could be related to their emotional or mental health instead of COVID? Yeah, really good question. I mean, I think the, the the symptoms that are easy are the hard symptoms. So if they really do have, you know, a runny nose or a fever, those things clearly then for sure. As you mentioned, kind of the, you know, my tummy ache or just not feeling great, it's really tricky. And a lot of it comes down to knowing your kid. And so if there's something in your head that makes you think, hmm, you know, this doesn't seem right or this doesn't seem like they're normal, like I don't feel great, then I think, you know, go get them tested. And, and the, I mean, I only have, I have a selection bias because it's only the parents that have gone to get them tested. But, you know, when I ask parents, well, why did you get them tested? And they say, they tell me they had these minor symptoms. And I say, well, wow, you know, thank you for getting them tested. But they, they said, well, you know, something just seemed off. 
like it seemed a little bit different than normal and and people know their kids really well so i think that part is really important words to practice medicine by never never ignore a parent's concerns uh, and I can tell you, that, you know, I was a pediatric resident at one point, and those are words to practice by. Now, I want to turn this around completely uh, and look at COVID from and 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 school age kids from a different angle. What do we know today about the degree to which transmission of COVID is happening in schools in Canada? Yeah, so I mean, I think we have more to learn, which is why I've been, uh, you know, kind of pushing for more, like trying to make testing as easy as possible, so we can really see the whole picture. So a lot of the the things to date have been on just, you know, testing symptomatic kids or or kids that seek testing. Um, so we don't we don't necessarily know if we're missing cases, but I think from what we have seen and from a lot of the testing we did in the fall, generally there is not, uh, you know, a huge amount of transmission in schools. It's it's generally quite low. And if there is transmission, it's usually, you know, maybe one or two students within the classroom. You know, occasionally you do hear of outbreaks within a school and more cases, but those are are rarer. Um, And I think it really speaks to the fact that all the things that the schools are doing, and and especially, you know, here in Canada compared to other jurisdictions, most places have have masks, they have some degree of distancing, um, you know, they try to have some outdoor learning, they have screening before kids come to school. And none of those things are perfect, but when you put them all together, they do provide, you know, a good layer of, um, of protection. And it's, you know, it's just, it's, uh, you know, it speaks to how hard our teachers and our principals and all the administrators have been working this year to put all those things in place when, you know, that they hadn't even heard of all of these health measures a year ago, right? So confetti for for schools right now, because we're doing a good job. You know what? No, because we keep talking about those dark clouds. And and in fact, we're doing something right. But I'm going to, having said that, I'm going to bring up another dark cloud. I want to ask, I want to move on to the subject of these variants of concern, B117 and the others. Um, Are you concerned at all that they could increase the transmission of COVID in schools right now? Yeah, I mean, I'd be I'd be lying if I said I wasn't concerned. And I think that um, you know we've been working closely with our schools to to make sure all of their protocols are you know are, are basically in place. So all the things that they everyone knows they're supposed to be doing, they actually remember to do them. And that you know parents are a little bit extra vigilant about not sending their kids to school with symptoms. And I you know with our working with our public health unit, I know they're being very careful about um, making sure we have a have some degree of testing. Right. And the Ministry of Education here in Ontario has suggested doing some uh, testing for children without symptoms and without exposure. And I think, you know, in in a setting where you have lots of COVID in the community and uh, you want to be able to see what's happening, I think that's a really useful tool, uh, especially in the setting of the variants. Uh, we've managed to get to 90% of the way through our conversation without saying the word vaccines even once. So, I'm going to bring it up at this point. Vaccines are the way out of this pandemic, but they haven't been proven safe and effective in kids just yet. Any good news on that? So I, I think, I mean, the vaccines are amazing. And uh, I don't think any of us would have thought a year ago that we would have, you know, three vaccines approved, a fourth coming that are all, and a, and a fifth coming that are all 100% effective at preventing, uh, you know, death and severe disease. Like, that's amazing. Um, you know, the the 
when we're able to vaccinate, hopefully in the next few months, the teachers, that'll be amazing. Uh, and then for kids, there are studies ongoing. Um, there's studies with uh, teenagers right now. And then I've seen some that are enrolling, I think down to five years old. And, you know, looking at the vaccines and, and theoretically thinking about them, there's, there's not really anything I can see that wouldn't make them work in kids um, or that there should be any increased safety concerns. So I think it's a matter of doing the studies, getting the evidence, but I'm very hopeful that we'll be able to, you know, offer those and roll those out to, to students in the near future as well. But the near future is probably not until what the end of the summer, maybe the fall. Yeah, I mean that would be that would be the the, the earliest I can imagine um, that that would be that the, that kids would be would have that availability, and that that would be optimistic for next so, fall. So we're going to have to be really parents are going to have to be really patient when it comes to vaccines for kids. We began our conversation talking about your kids. So how worried are you about them catching COVID? My kids are <laughs> clearly the kids of infectious disease uh, physician because they are very good about washing their hands and wearing their masks. Um, so I think that you know we're doing every can- thing we can to prevent it, and they do go to to go to school in person because I, I think you know you have to weigh the risks and benefits from your for your family and for your kids and for you. And I think at this stage it's important for them to be in person. And I think the other thing that's important is I mean I'm you know in our family. We're, we're young and I don't, we don't have any people that are vulnerable in our home. So I, I'm less worried if my children did get exposed and hopefully not, but if they got COVID, you know, it, it would be very likely they would have a mild illness. And if me or my, um, my husband were infected, again, we're young and fortunately healthy. So we'd be unlikely to get severe disease. So, you know, I think it's, it's challenging for families that if they have, you know, an, an elderly relative living with them or they rely on them for childcare or have someone or have, you know, complex medical, medical issues, I think it becomes a much more challenging um, decision weighing the risks and benefits. Um, so on a personal level, I think that, you know, we've, knock on wood, we've gotten this far and, and been very lucky. Um, and, and hopefully, with the help of everyone, we can continue to drive the numbers down and then it will be less of a worry for everybody, you know, with uh, spring and vaccines and, and the rest of the year. Do the parents of your kids' uh, classmates know that you're an infectious disease specialist? Do they hit you for questions? Most of them haven't seen me most of the year because I've only made it to drop off like <laughs> once or twice. I'm unfortunately working Way too much. (laughs) Well, uh, we're grateful that you're working, but don't work too hard. Get some rest. Dr. Janine McCready, thank you so much for speaking with us. Thank you very much for having me. Dr. Janine McCready is an infectious diseases physician at the Michael Guerin Hospital here in Toronto. Now that Ontario kids have gone back to classroom learning and schools are mostly open across Canada, here's your dose of smart advice on helping your kids stay a step ahead of the coronavirus. You can't tell the difference between the symptoms of a cold virus and covid The only way to know for sure is to have your child tested should they have symptoms like cough, fever, or a runny nose. Other symptoms that could be due to COVID include headache, vomiting, or diarrhea, and generally more than one episode of either. If they have any of those symptoms, keep your child at home until they get tested. The same goes for preschool kids in daycare or nursery programs. For younger kids, there are less bothersome ways to get them tested than a swab up the nose. Many parents are surprised to learn their child has COVID. In part, it's because a sizable percentage of kids with a proven diagnosis of the coronavirus are asymptomatic. The vast majority of children with COVID have mild symptoms, if any, and get better without long-term effects. 
Schools have not been a major source of COVID outbreaks in Canada. That's testament to good infection control practices like washing hands and wearing masks. But with Canada seeing higher rates of more infectious strains of COVID like B117, schools must remain vigilant. The COVID vaccines we've been hearing about are only now being tested in school-age kids. We won't be mass vaccinating children until those studies are reported. It's likely the earliest we'll see vaccines for children will be late this year or early 2022. If you have topics you'd like to hear on The Dose or questions you'd like answered, email us at thedose at cbc.ca. You can also tweet me at NightShiftMD or at CBCWhiteCoat using the hashtag TheDoseCBC. You can find The Dose and White Coat Black Art wherever you get your podcasts. Please do us a solid and rate our shows highly so more people can find us. This edition of The Dose was produced by Willow Smith and Donna Dingwall with digital support from Fabiola Carletti. Thanks to Lauda Antonelli for technical support. The Dose wants you to be better informed about your health. But if you're looking for medical advice, see your healthcare provider. I'm Dr. Brian Goldman. Until your next dose. For more CBC Podcasts, go to cbc.ca slash podcasts.